good evening or good morning <laughs> good, good day good afternoon <laughs> good morrow <laughs> this is uh the no sleep podcast that is not our podcast and you damn well know that. <laughs> what's our podcast armchair apocrypha armchair apocrypha that's right that's the uh the podcast where armchair experts tell possible true stories um it's just Rachel and I today for mm-hmm. the third week. Yeah, we haven't really asked anyone, have yeah, we? Oops. we need to get some more uh, guest I know that stars. Jared said he'd be interested. Yeah. Uh, we need to get Mary back because her episode is currently the most popular it's episode. It's a fantastic episode. we've ever had. Everyone's just really interested about Stonehenge. I know that's why I listen to it. <laughs> Stonehenge and murder and, and martyrs and wine. Anything that starts with M and getting drunk. <laughs> Um, yeah. How was your week? It was, it was really good. I was telling you today, like today was like a really good day at work. Not that I've had recently bad days or anything, but. It was just super chill. It was. (laughs) And I, did I tell you that I rode a moped for the first time? I don't know, to Lauren's because her and her fiance both have mopeds. And so she's like seven months pregnant. Yeah. She went around for a little bit, but it was cold yesterday, so. Um, have you ever met Ryan? I don't think so. That's all right. Not important. But he got on a moped and I got on her moped mm-hmm. and I learned how to ride a moped and now I've got the bug. Nice. And now I'm like really wanting, I want, I want a, I want like a scooter yeah. or like a mini bike. Yeah. Um, that's like down from a, a motorcycle, like a Grom. Yeah. And Groms are usually stick shifts, which is fine because I know how to drive, but I don't know how to drive a bike stick shift. Right. And I know that the gears... And the clutch is reversed. Okay. So the clutch is supposed to be where the hand is, and from what I'm familiar with, then the gears are where your foot is. That would scare the Or shit they're out, both, right? like, with the hands. I'm not really yeah. sure. So I'd have to relearn how to drive a stick again yeah. with the bike. But <clears throat> I can do a little less fancier, sportsy yeah. one and have an automatic one. Nice. But now I've got the bike. But I'll wait till we get our house. <laughs> I gotta get settled. That's right. And she said the best year to buy them is at the end of the year because that's when they're selling, getting their new stock in. I was like, okay, good that's to know. good to know. Uh, yeah, I had an e-bike when I was in China. Um, oh, I yeah. had a, a regular uh, pedal bike, and then I had an e-bike. I I just want a bike. That would be so cool. Yeah. And I would ride it everywhere. <laughs> and if I live somewhere closer to work, then yeah. I would definitely ride it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that uh, we're buying our house and. Uh, we started looking. Knock on wood, weekends. yeah. Um, knock on wood. Uh, I quit my job on Monday. Oh, yeah, that's Monday. Huge. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, um, Here I'm just talking about, you know, riding a moped. <laughs> I need to um, find a new job so that we can actually pay for our house. <laughs> yes, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I put in my two weeks' notice. Uh, Friday is my last day. Um, hopefully, I'll find something soon. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have too much trouble. I've had a lot of experience. I feel like you're fine. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I was looking at recruiters here in Louisville, and there aren't any higher education recruiters in Louisville, which I think is strange hmm. since we have, like, four universities yeah. and colleges. Yeah, that is peculiar. I can't tell you because I'm not really familiar with that area. Right. It's It was just bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll keep my eye out. A lot of people have said that they'll keep their eyes out. So <laughs> I don't know what. Hopefully, somebody will find me something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to get into the Jason? Yeah, episode? let's do it because you're going to be so mad because mine's super long. Oh. Super fucking long, but okay. I'll go through it real fast. Mine is medium, so hopefully it'll. it'll uh, but you're going to be interested in it, and I think you're going <laughs> to add more tidbits that I, don't, I couldn't even find out. Well, I hope so. Um, yeah. So this week I'm doing Hannah Sinesh. Have you heard of her? No. Um, it's spelled S-Z-E-N-E-S. It's uh, Hebrew and uh-huh. Hungarian. Okay. Um, she was a special operations executive paratrooper and a poet and playwright uh, during World War II. Why does she not have her book on the show? Well, I will get into one thing. That may be the reason. Oh. But, uh, was she a she was not a Nazi. Okay. She fought the Nazis. I thought like you wouldn't really glorify someone who's a Nazi, but I you never know, not. Andrew. No. Put in your two weeks. No, I would not. Um, <laughs> on our Halloween episode, I might do the one uh, Nazi woman. Um, 
The only Nazi woman that ever existed. The, the famous one, the, uh, the scary one. Adolf's, oh. No, the, um, I can't remember what her nickname was. It was like the Hound of Auschwitz or something. Is that the one who did all the scientific experiments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to glorify her. Hell no. <laughs> um, no, Hannah Sinesh. Uh, <clears throat> she was on par with the guy who experimented on identical twins. Yeah. 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 Um, back to the Jewish but, okay, no, all right done with that <laughs> let's go to, let's talk about Hannah <clears throat> Hannah Snesh um, so she was one of the 37 Jewish Jewish parachutists of the mandate Palestine um, which was operating under the British Army um, and she was dropped into Yugoslavia during the Second World War to assist in, in the rescue of Hungarian Jews um, these Jews were about to be transported to Auschwitz, mm-hmm. and she was one of the uh, the people that was sent in to rescue them. Um, unfortunately, she was arrested at the Hungarian border and then imprisoned and tortured. Um, and Hannah, being a badass, um, she was not. She did not give up the names or the um, transmission codes that would have allowed the Nazis <laughs> to capture her her uh, squad. Um, <clears throat> so she was born um, to an assimilated Jewish family in Hungary. Uh, her father was Bella. He was a journalist and a playwright, and he died when she was six years old. Mm. Um, and she lived with her mother, Catalin, uh, and her brother, Georgie, for, mm. uh, for her growing up. Um, she was enrolled in a Protestant school, which was unusual. Because uh, she's Jewish. Because she was Jewish. <laughs> uh, she also she also went to a Catholic uh, uh, Catholic school. Um, the way that the school was set up was that uh, people of the Jewish faith had to pay three times what other students paid, um, but she was considered a gifted student, and so they let her in for just twice what the other students. Oh, because she's gifted. Because she was only gifted. double the amount. <laughs> Jesus. Oh wait, not Jesus. <laughs> Um, Janesh, uh, graduated in 1939 and she emigrated to what was then the British Mandate of Palestine, um, in order to study at an agricultural school. Um, and, uh, in 1941, she joined Kibbutz Stat Yam and then joined the Haganah, a paramilitary group that laid the foundation of the Israel Defense Force. Cool. Which you may notice is the the people in the news today for um, uh, killing three hundred kill, killing three hundred Palestinians. Palestinians yeah. yeah, I did. No, I mean I read that that happened, but I didn't look into it and mm-hmm. the article. Yeah, um, she herself was a Zionist. She believed that uh, Palestine should be the homeland of the Jew the Jewish people. Um, and she wanted to get the Palestinians out of uh, Israel so that it could be the homeland of the Jews. There's never been any war trife over that territory, nope, has there? never. Not once. <laughs> they just get along famously. They're fine. <laughs> they share. Um, so she joins uh, with the, Isra- the prototypical uh, Israeli Defense Force, um, becomes a special operations executive, uh, and uh, she, in 1944, she and colleagues uh, are parachuted into Yugoslavia and join a partisan group to um, to lead the way back into Hungary in order to stop uh, Jews who were being um, transported towards to Auschwitz. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they get in. Uh, they get into Hungary. And learned that the Germans have already occupied Hungary. They didn't know that before going in. Um, so the men in her unit decided to call off the mission for being too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Hannah and a few of her colleagues continued on for the Hungarian border. Um, at the border, she and her companions were arrested by uh, Hungarian gandarms, which is a new word that I learned. Yeah. Do you know what a gandarm is? An arm with a gun? No. It sounds like you're saying gun to arm. No. Oh. <laughs> a gandarm, uh, there. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, it's uh, a soldier who has civil um, arresting rights. So it's basically like okay. a cop mixed with a soldier. 
Which sounds hmm. terrible. Yeah, I'm not trying to... I can't... figure that one out, but okay. Well... I'm a Gundam. You, are you? No. <laughs> You're a Gundam. <laughs> I'm a gnome. You're a gnome. <laughs> um... So she gets arrested by these Gundarms, um, and uh, she's taken to prison. Um, she's uh, tied to a chair, and she's tortured for three days. Um, the guards are uh, their sole like purpose for torturing her. They wanted her to give up the transmission codes so that they could uh, contact the rest of her companions yeah. and see if they, they could capture them. Yeah. Um, so the only thing that they got out of her over these three days that she was arrested and tortured was her name. That's the only thing that she Damn. did. Damn. Um, I don't know <laughs> what I would do. I would probably do one of those time capsules, or time capsules, one of those capsules things and just... A like, capsule yeah. in your tooth. Uh-huh. Just nod at him. Um... <clears throat> What's more impressive is that uh, after or, sorry, time out. I would hope that if they do any kind of torture that involves bleeding, I would just automatically pass out every time, and then I get tortured <laughs> oh, you... while I'm passed out. That's right. You don't like blood. No, <laughs> I get really wheezy, so I hope like, ha chips on you. Um, <laughs> no, is it still no. it, like your own blood? Like if you cut yourself, um, do you get wheezy? For me, no, not usually. Like, if it's, like, a little next, but one time I, yeah. like, sliced the middle of my finger, oh. and I freaked the fact out, because, like, it wouldn't stop bleeding. We wrapped it, wrapped it, wrapped it, and it would still come out, yeah. and I was, like, freaking out, which is funny, because I was really young at the time, and only my dad was home, and he's just as bad as I am. Because <laughs> I don't know how he got that, like, parent helmet on top, and I was able to do something without fainting, which is hilarious, because last time he went to the doctors, they, like, gave him a shock at and started bleeding. He's like, I, I gotta lie down. Before you tell me that. I'm like, oh my god, she took care of my profusely bleeding finger, but that was obviously a different situation. <laughs> um, but that, I've seen someone else with like something, and I literally lost yeah. feeling of my legs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I, I hate it. I actually wish I don't understand how people can stand that stuff. I yeah. wish I could. I'm sure, like, there are some people who it are not bothered by it at all. It's oh, just yeah. like. Oh, it's flesh. It's whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that, I don't know what it is, but I've never, like, had so much blood come out. Like, yeah. I've never had, like, such a huge gaping wound yeah. that I'll like keep that. you updated if that ever happens. Yeah, oof. Yeah. I mean, I've skidded my hands, and even that, it's hard for me to look at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's really gross, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's more impressive uh, is Hannah Sinesh. Um when they find out her name, they go and they arrest her mother. Oh, damn it. Um, and they threaten to kill her mother. And she still won't give up the transmitter codes. Damn right. Like a badass. Yeah. Um, so they uh, they transported her to uh, prison in Budapest. Um, and uh, while in prison, um, she used a mirror to flash signals out the window to prisoners in other cells. Um, and she also figured out how to use her Star of David to form letters to send messages to other prisoners. Um, so it's like the great escape. Yes. Um, only in a Jewish prison, Budapest. <laughs> um, same, same concept. Which I, I'm seeing as like a season two. Yeah, yeah. Like. We're, we're, we're well into season two. We've yeah. got the development going. Now we're going on to the crazy antics that you only bring out after you've been renewed for a second season. Right. Um, so in, in October of 1944, she gets, uh, tried for treason. Um, there's an eight day postponement, um, while the judges are making their decision, uh, followed by another postponement. Um, this one because a new judge is appointed to the, the trial. Um, she's eventually found guilty. And in November of 1944, about a month after, um, or about a week after her, uh, What's it called? Trial? Uh, conviction. Yeah. Uh, about a week after her conviction, she gets executed by firing squad. By firing squad? Yep. God. Um, she did keep a diary, which uh, you can look up online. It's pretty interesting. They didn't get rid of it? Uh, nope. Still have it. Uh, it was published in Hebrew in 1946, and cool. her uh, her remains were brought to Israel in 1950 and buried in the cemetery on Mount Herzl. 
How old was she? Um, don't remember. 1944, uh, 1921. She was like 23, 24. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's also... Um, a lot of her poetry and her um, her plays that she had written before yeah. were published in Hebrew and Hungarian, um, and you can look all of this stuff up. Um, and some of it was used uh, in the versions of the film uh, Schindler's List. Look at you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, so that was Hannah Snesh. Yeah. Really good. The three seasons and Ugh. three seasons in a movie. You <laughs> just need three seasons. Just She's three such seasons. a short life. <clears throat> if you're a, if you're a Netflix producer, we need this series. Yeah. So what are you doing today? Okay, it's a big one, but there's so much to talk about, and I yeah. find it so fucking interesting. And I think you do too, would too, but maybe not even surprisingly. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the Motion Picture Production Code, okay, also known as the Hayes Code. Right. So we all know, are like maybe somewhat familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was said in the, <clears throat> it was the set of the industry moral guidelines that was applied to most, which I'll get into a little bit, of the U.S.'s motion pictures released by major studios. Um, really, in 1934 to 1960, it started in 1930, but it wasn't implemented until 1934. So yeah. for about 34 years, the Hayes Code was like the rule of what films would be allowed. Right. Um, so this all, we kind of all have to go back to 1922, about eight years earlier. What after was happening in 1922? Um, several risque films came out <laughs> in a series of off-screen scandals involving Hollywood stores Stores. Stars. Stars. <laughs> Hollywood stores. Um, the studios enlisted Presbyterian elder Will H. Hayes to rehabilitate Hollywood's image. Fucking Presbyterians. So, the whole reason for the, um, like, scandals is, you know, there's the murder of this guy named William Desmond Taylor, mm-hmm. who, it's still to this day, um... We don't know what happened, but when the police were like going through it, the Hollywood there's this one guy in Hollywood and I cannot find him, although I just saw it about a documentary. Um, he was the guy who was able to like squash all the rumors right. back then, but some of them were way too big that they couldn't be squashed. That being he literally was the fixer. Um, one of them was this guy's death, but apparently they were able to squash the police and they're like, Don't do any further investigations. Um, and then the other big thing was the big thing that kind of brought it in was Fatty Arbuckle mm-hmm. with his like alleged uh, rape and killing of that young actress. And uh, what was the actress's name? <clears throat> I don't know. You don't know? She was a young lady. Maybe she, um, should probably look that up real quick. I can look that up really quick. I would appreciate it, just so we know what her name is. Mm-hmm. Yes, Virginia. I'm gonna say her last name's Rap. R A P P E. Um. But it was her, and mm-hmm. she was very. She was 26 year old aspiring actress. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was like a a party and everything mm-hmm. like that. But that whole story is for another day. Right. Right. Um. So. Uh. Movies were Oscar risque. They would show like naked women and like people just being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Not monogamous. Yeah. Like, Polyamorous. Yeah. Um, so this kind of upset some of the public, especially legislators and congressmen. Right. So in 1924, or sorry, in fact, in 37 states, mm-hmm. they introduced almost 100 movie censorship bills in 1921. Ouch. And so faced with the prospect of having to comply with hundreds <coughs> and potentially thousands of inconsistent and easily changed decency laws in mm-hmm. order to show their movies in each of these states, the studios chose to self-regulate as a preferable option. The states are like, okay, fine. But the thing is, they were not going willy-nilly about, you know... Um, their self-regulation. So right, in right. 24, 
Hayes introduced a set of recommendations dubbed, quote-unquote, the formula, which studios were advised to heed and asked filmmakers to describe to his office the plots of the pictures they were planning on making. The Supreme Court had already decided unanimously, unanimously, in 1915, in this case called Mutual Film Corporation versus Industrial Commission of Ohio, that free speech did not extend to motion pictures. Interesting. Yeah. And while there had been token attempts to clean up the movies before, um, it had had little effect on right, it. Right, right. Um, so, with the, the formula, the New York was one of the first states to institute a... Oh, sorry, before the formula, sorry. Um... Another reason, like, these films are risque, sorry, this is a little scattered, is um, not only did it have topless shows, but it's full of curse words and sexually suggestive dialogue is the way I like how it's worded. Sexually suggestive? Yeah. And then we're going to skip to three years later. In 1927, Hayes suggested to studio executives that they form a committee to discuss censorship. Irving Thalberg of Metro Golden Mayor... Sol Wurzel of Fox mm-hmm. and E.H. Allen of Paramount responded by collaborating on a list they called the Don'ts and Be Carefuls. Don'ts and Be Carefuls. <laughs> yes. Which was based on items that were challenged by local censor boards. The list consisted of 11 subjects best avoided and 26 to be handled very carefully. And I'll give that at the end because <laughs> some of them are bad. I'm not going to list all 11 and 26. I'm only listing some of the more interesting ones. <laughs> Um, but most of the, for the most part, mm-hmm. they make, like, you know exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. So, in 1929, they have, they have their list of do, don'ts and be careful, and they're trying to get it ready to make sure that all the studios are, like, it's actually done through with every film that's released. Mm-hmm. But everything takes time. So, in 1929, a Catholic layman, Martin Quigley, which is a funny last name, but I love it, um... And a Jesuit priest, Father Daniel A. Lord, yes, that is his last name, created a code of standards and submitted it to the studios. Um, Lord was con- particularly concerned with the effects of sound film on children, whom he considered, considered especially susceptible to their allure. Because you have to remember, like, they're all talkies, and then in the 1920s, bam, you got salmon, and all of a sudden right. things can happen. Now, it's not as subtle anymore when they're saying certain words or... Right. Saying words with um, motions and actions. Yeah, yeah. Um, So now we are going to jump to February 1930. Mm -hmm. Several studio heads, including Irving um, Thalberg. 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 It's not that hard to pronounce. (laughs) Um, Met with this Catholic and Jesuit priest, which you do when you talk about film. Um, After some revisions, they agreed to the stipulations of the code. One of the main motivating factors in adopting the code was to avoid direct government interaction, okay. which is kind of what it did. Right. It was divided into two parts. The first was a set of general principles, which prohibited a picture from lowering the moral standards of those who see it, because that's what movies do. That's why we have murderers. It's because of all the video games and all the movies they watch, Andrew. Of course, I know, yeah. Um, it's always the video games. And then it also called... Or, called for depictions of the correct standards of life. And lastly, it forbade a picture to show any sort of ridicule towards a law or creating sympathy for its violation. So I would have failed the Hayes Code so many times. <laughs> well, yeah, your movies would have never <laughs> been made, Andrew. I know. Um, the second part was a set of particular applications, which was an exacting list of items that could not be depicted. Um... This also goes into, like, my list, but I'll say some now. Some restrictions, such as the ban on homosexuality or the use of specific curse words, were never directly mentioned, but they were assumed and were meant to be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, the code sought not only to determine what could be portrayed on screen, but also to promote traditional values, i.e. sexual relations outside the marriage, which were forbidden to be portrayed as attractive or beautiful. What? I'm not shitting you. What? <laughs> they were to be presented in a way that would not arouse passion or make them seem permissible. So, like, how are you going to show a movie of someone courting someone? But then it's not, like, a sexual relationship because they haven't slept together. Because right. you don't sleep together before marriage, Andrew. Right. I would never do that. No. No. <laughs> 
Um, all criminal action had to be punished, and either the crime nor the criminal criminal could elicit sympathy for the audience. Or the audience must at least be aware that such behavior is wrong, usually through compensating moral value. Authority figures had to be treated with respect, and the clergy could not be portrayed as comic characters or villains. <laughs> Under some circumstances, circumstances, politicians, police officers, and judges could be villains as long as it was clear that those individuals portrayed as villains were the exception to the rule. I am so <laughs> mad. So, so mad. <laughs> you would really enjoy this. Um, the code also contained an, ad- ad- an addendum commonly referred to as the advertising code. Can you guess? No. Which regulated advertising copy and imagery. Okay then. So, now we're fast forwarding to June 13th, 1934. An amendment to the code was adopted which established the Production Code Administration, the PCA, mm. and required all films released on or after July 1st, 1934 to obtain a certificate or approval before being released. So it was in place, but now it's like mandated that every film has to go through this administration, which has now been set up. So this is like the precursor to the rating system? Yeah, I was going to get to that. So you know, you know. Um, the first film to receive an <laughs> MPPDA seal of approval was The World Moves On. I looked it up. It doesn't sound interesting. It's just this guy falling in love with this girl and like. It sounds in, terrible. But she's like engaged. I don't know. It sounded <laughs> interesting. Um, sad thing. Even cartoon sex symbol Betty Boop mm-hmm. had to change from being a flapper and began to wear an old-fashioned housewife skirt. Aww. So I want you to put that up on our website for my. It's going to show Betty before Boop. and after Betty Boop because. It's, like, not even a big difference. Right. Because she's a fucking cartoon character. Like, I don't even think she was really that sexual in the first one. She's supposed to be sexual, but it's, like, funny. Yeah. Because she's Betty Boop. Like, yeah. What is she even? I'm trying to remember. She's, like, rounds. Oh, lots of rounds and lots of, like, ovals. Yeah, but... Like, is she an animal? I don't know. I can't no, remember. No, she's a person. I'm pretty sure. She's a person. She's just... Uh, but that's the thing. She's a cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. So, it's not like, you know, anyways, if you look at the before and after Betty Boop, it's not that big a difference in my mind. Anyways, when Warner Brothers wanted to make... There she is. Yeah, and then if you see her in her housewife's dress, I mean, fine, the flapper thing doesn't go up and her butt doesn't stick out, you're right. Right. She doesn't... Yeah, I, I think it shows her in the kitchen in the housewife skirt, the one that I saw. I'm not God. finding one on Google Images. A lot of these are really risque. All right, I'll show. <laughs> well, that's modern day, but yeah. um, I'll well, I'll show you after we finish recording. Okay. So when Warner Brothers um, wanted to make a film about concentration camps in Nazi Germany, the production office forbade it um, because. I'll get to this later. I'll recite it just because it's that stupid. Citing the above-mentioned prohibition on depicting, this is one of their don'ts, Mm -hmm. um, depicting in an unfavorable light another country's institutions and prominent people. Right. With threats to take the matter to the federal government and the studio went ahead. Um, So they said this policy prevented a number of anti-Nazi films being produced, but that is anti-Nazi films up until 1938, but that's not... When Nazism started. Right. Everyone knew about it, um, i.e. The Great Dictator came out in 1938. So they did. In 1937, at the end of 1937, 1938, they said yes when this um, one Nazi was found on trial. And they're like, well, we're going to make a film about it. Yeah. And they actually said yes to that. And even the Three Stooges got to do like a Nazi like spoof. Yeah. Um, and kind of on similar subject, The Great Dictator... It was never for mention that it's Hitler or yeah. like it's like he's it's, his it's, doppelganger. It's clearly him. It's clearly it's like, him. Yeah, but it's like Charlie Chaplin. Right, right. So, but at his speech, I think that film was wonderful. Um, but then when we enter the war in 1941, then it's like okay, 
anyone can it's it's all about the war you got to go for the war they're the enemies we're the heroes so that obviously changes a bit just as a side if you haven't seen the great dictator go on youtube and watch the the speech at the end Um, yeah it's one of the best speeches it's so good ever written and it's uh i believe it's the first time that charlie chaplin talks in the movie right yes yeah because it's if he does he doesn't yes because he's mistaken so he never talks because it's a silent film yeah. up in, or he's a silent character up until that point it's um, been so long since that yeah yeah so but that speech uh, yeah if you haven't seen bumps. it just go look it up i believe that there's an, an episode uh, there's a video uh set to hans zimmer which is amazing it's just like oh, the i love music hans zimmer is, yeah uh rise i want to learn his it's, stuff on the piano it's again. so amazing yes okay um, this is a little side note that I really liked from Wikipedia. Um, Thomas Doherty, who's a professor of American Studies at Brandeis University, has defined the code as, this, these are um, his words, no mere list of thou shalt nots, but a homily that sought to yoke Catholic doctrine to Hollywood formula. The guilty are punished, the virtuous rewarded, the authority of the church and state is legitimate, and the bonds of matrimony, stake, and the bonds of matrimony are <laughs> sacred. What resulted has been described as a Jewish-owned business selling Roman, Roman Catholic theology to Protestant America. And I was like, that is spot on. Yes, yeah. I thought that was really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, oh, oh, he just summed up this whole thing for me in three sentences. It's fine to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm going to start talking about the decline of um, the Hayes Code. Ooh. And it started in the 50s, mm-hmm. so it took another 18 years. Um, so there were two threats that came for the decline. Can you name one of them? No. That's all right. I wouldn't have been able to guess who. <laughs> tells the first one is from new technology, the TV. Okay. So in the 50s, at the beginning, 3 million people owned TVs. And then by the end of the decade, 55 million people owned TVs. Two-thirds of America now own TVs. Right. So now they weren't all going out to see a movie when they could watch I Love Lucy at home. Right. Um... There was also increasing competition in foreign films. The studios had no way to keep foreign films out, and foreign films are not bound by the by the Hayes Code. Interesting. Um, some British films, um, they list some victim in 1961. Mm-hmm. So this is in the early 60s. A Taste of Honey in 61, and The Leather Boys, which I did not look these up in 63, challenged traditional gender roles and openly confronted the prejudice against homosexuals, all in clear violation of the Hollywood of the Hayes Code. But they have they get to release them and people get to see them. And then we're on to another Supreme Court case. Now we're going to backtrack a little bit. So in 1952, the case of Joseph Burston Inc. versus Wilson, the U. <laughs> this is for the Supreme Court kills me, but I love it. The U.S. Supreme Court unanimous, unanimously 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 uh-huh. overruled their previous decision <laughs> and held that motion pictures are entitled to the First Amendment. <laughs> The U.S. Supreme Court versus the U.S. Supreme Court. Literally. <laughs> so, less than 40 years later, yeah. they unanimously overruled a unanimous vote. Right. And said, yes, motion pictures are entitled to the First Amendment. Yay. Yay. So, that kind of puts a big damper on the Hayes Code. Yeah. But they're still going a little bit. So, by the late 1950s, increasingly explicit films began to appear, such as Anatomy of a Murder, which is what we saw the palace... I saw Was that. I there? No, I, I oh. saw the birds and um, the Hitchcock ones. Uh, Psycho. Yeah, this was um, this last year. Um, suddenly, last summer, Psycho mm-hmm. uh, and the Dark Top of the Stairs. The MPA reluctantly granted the seal of approval for these films, although um, not until certain cuts were made. And I didn't have really time to get into some of these or like what cuts were need to be yeah. made that. It kind of kept quiet on that, and the ones that they did talk about seemed like... They kept talking about the Casablanca one, where they couldn't show about the two had ever slept together. Right. Or they they get together at the very end, but this time they don't get together at the very end. And the only reason they just had them getting together in the first place is she already thought her husband was dead. Right. Like, And so it kind of completely changes that ending. And they did talk about Hitchcock's first American film, Rebecca, having to change that ending but i'm gonna spoil that because that's the big twist at the end (laughs) um but the change that it made i can actually see how that make a difference but i won't go into it okay um and then due to its themes 
uh, Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot was not granted a certificate of approval, but it still became a box office smash, and as a result, it further weakened the authority of the code. And have you seen Some Like It Hot? Yeah. It's, it's fucking fabulous. It's been, a, it's been a while, but it's a good movie. I mean, it's literally yeah. two men in drag, and then one literally gets engaged to a guy at the end, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm a man. And his response is, nobody's, nobody's perfect. perfect. <laughs> and they ride off together and literally <laughs> in a boat. <laughs> It's so funny. Like, the film is really well done. Yeah. I like it. It's fun. And, um, because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I remember seeing that movie. How'd that get past it? Well, apparently it would simply get, get past it without approval, and people still watched it. So, ha. Nice. Um, so by the late 1960s, enforcement had become impossible, and the protection code was abandoned entirely. You know, you got free love now in the 60s. <laughs> people are a little different. Um, the MPAA began working on a rating system under which film restrictions would lessen. Um, the MPAA film rating systems went into effect November 1st, 1968, with four ratings, G for general audience, M for mature, R for restricted under 17, not made without an adult, and X for sexually explicit content, but now X is now NC-17. Right. Um, and I forget why they... Uh, changed that it would I don't think it interests me or not but have you ever seen the documentary this film was not yet rated yeah fabulous documentary and that can literally be like a part two of this but I'm not gonna do that um just talking about how messed up the NPA ratings are and yeah. what you can show all the gore in the world and it can be rated PG-13 but if you show like a sex scene yeah or a penis then it's like NC-17 it's like are you serious um so that's kind of my brief history of the haze, but I feel like I, there's so much to it. Yeah. But it's really fascinating. Um, before I want to get your input on it, I'm going to tell you some don'ts that okay. weren't allowed. Some don'ts. Obviously, you can use pointed profanity by either title or lip. <laughs> this includes the words God, Lord, Jesus Christ, unless they be used reverently in connection with proper religious ceremonies. Yeah. Um, no. Yep. Any um, inference of sexual perversion, any suggested of nude, nudity, I don't know how you suggest nudity, but whatever, you're either you're nude or you're not, you're never nude. <laughs> Maybe it's like the, the shadow gag from like Austin Powers. It could be. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, can't show white slavery. That's a no-no. Only white slavery, though. I'm going to write... Uh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> don't. That would be um, terrible. And then... Miss, I'm going to mispronounce this, miscegenation. Miscegenation. Yes, you know what that is. Yeah, uh, white and black people. Um, in a relationship. In a relationship. Yeah, now I can do that. But, um, guess who's coming to dinner? But that was in the 60s, so yeah. that's how they were able to kind of get away with that. Um, scenes of actual childbirth, which is another thing they always brought up when I was looking up about this, is Gone with the Wind, the big epic <laughs> Like, Scarlett right. O'Hara is pregnant, and all of a sudden it has a really weird birth scene, and the fact that you don't see it, right. and this is the reason why. Um, willful offense to any nation researching that kind of goes back to the first, when they tried to make some films about um, Nazism, and they were denied it. When uh, when was when were Westerns big? That was the 50s, right? I, I want to say like the 70s. Okay. Well, let me look up Clint Eastwood. When were Westerns big? I was thinking John Wayne, but... The Searchers. That was a good movie. When were Westerns popular? Oh, it auto-corrected for me. 60s. The 60s? Okay. There you go. So as soon as they got rid of the Hays Code, they were like, we're killing Let's bring in some guns. (laughs) All right. And here are the be carefuls. It's not like you can't use it, but be careful about it. Be careful. The use of the flag. (laughs) Okay. Theft, Robert, safe cracking, and dynamiting of trains, mines, building, having in mind the effect which a too detailed description of these may have upon the quote unquote moron. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Fight Club was never published in the pictures. Um, technique of committing murder by whatever method. You can't show a murder. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because I'm going to keep going back to Hitchcock. They show a rope, but they don't. And um, Hitchcock's, like, 
I almost said murder, she wrote. Um, dial in for murder. Yeah. But they didn't die. Yeah. Which shows how they would have died. I'm thinking about a lot of, like, the Golden Age movies from the 40s and... I think it just means, like, something that's not, like, shooting yeah. or strangling or something a little more maniacal. Maybe. That, yeah, that is kind of weird. Um, sympathy for criminals. Be careful about that. I'm always sympathetic to criminals. Apparent cruelty to children and animals. Branding of people and animals. Be careful about the sale of woman or a woman selling her virtue. Rape or attempted rape. Uh-huh. That wasn't a don't. That was just a be that careful. Was a be careful. <laughs> yeah, just be careful about that one. It's not a don't. <laughs> but don't have white slavery. <laughs> um, or miscegenation. Right. Um, first night scenes, which... Um, People going to bed for the first time. Oh, oh. That's how I took that. I was very confused. I was uh, like, what? Don't you call it first night? I do not call it first night. Because <laughs> um, it may be the only night. But <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one of the... A really good story I have about this, quite exciting hit on Alfred Hitchcock, in the movie... Um, damn it. In the movie... This is going to kill me. In the the movie movie, To Catch a Thief. To Catch a Thief. Grace Kelly and uh, Cary Grant Mm -hmm. um, sleep, have like a one night stand or sleep together. But you assume that they're going to stay together at the end, obviously. But the studio, it shows them like lying down together on a bed. And she was like, no, 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 that insinuates that they're sleeping. And so his way around it was he, inter- there were fireworks going off in the background. So he interjected a fireworks and them going down and, or like kissing and then fireworks. But it made it look comical. And he's right. like, it's funny. They're just, it's funny. Right. And he was able to get his way around it doing that, which I thought was pretty ingenious. <laughs> it's like everyone clearly knows this is happening, but they got the okay approval after adding in this because it looks ridiculous. Right. It kind of does look a little weird. But I just attribute it to it being a movie in the 50s. <laughs> um, a man and a woman in bed together, which is where you got the... Um, a woman has... If she's in bed, she has to have one foot on the ground, which is like a legitimate role if you look at movies. And they're also in twin beds. Because hmm. you never sleep together. Deliberate seduction of girls. The institution of marriage. And then titles or scenes having to do with law enforcement or law enforcing officers. And last but not least, be careful about accessible or lustful kissing, particularly when one character or the other is heavy, which I don't know what they mean by that, because it literally was in quotes. What? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think it specified it for me. So the kissing can't be heavy? That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Cause... Because, but it had it in quotes, but I'm going to say, like, maybe a deep, passionate like one of them's really into it okay I can so it says when one is heavy when oh what well when I clicked on the quote heavy mm-hmm. um, when one's like a criminal oh okay. that's kind of what it goes to that was not at all what I was nope, thinking sorry I'm glad I clicked on that I it <laughs> didn't tell me so a criminal can't have a Long, passionate kiss? No, that says especially if that's it. If no one should do it, but especially if one is heavy. Okay. That's that's a weird uh, word to put down. Yeah. Maybe that's the word that they used and they linked it so you knew what they meant by it. Right. Which I appreciate. Because I clearly didn't know. That was the strangest slang that I have ever heard. So there's a brief, and I mean brief, history of the Hayes Code. Interesting. Uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, is um, this one has not yet been rated on Netflix or? It Amazon? was when I watched it like five or six years ago. Okay. And I was also talking to someone because they always take things off of it. Yeah. Yeah, check out uh, the film has not yet been rated. It's really good. It's oh, a no, really I'm good check it off Netflix documentary. It's no longer on Netflix apparently. 
Um, it's about the the rating system and how, how messed up it is, yeah. um, and how they just don't. They're all they're not as bad as the Hays Code, right. but for like today's age, what they will say yes for a PG thirteen movie when it comes to violence, yeah. and what they will say no to for a PG thirteen movie when it comes to like sex, it's like crazy. Yeah. And it's all one board. In cuss words. Anonymous Like, you can only say fuck twice. Yeah. Or once. Once. If you do it more than once, then it's uh, R-rated film. And it depends on, like, what gender's saying it. And it's... That's so crazy. I remember when the fourth Die Hard movie came out, and he could only say his his catchphrase once. (laughs) Because it was was, uh, PG-13. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. That's Uh, the whole thing is, like... Studios will adhere to their ratings because they know R-rated films don't make that much. And then PG-13 films and PG films make the biggest one. Well, G for Pixar, but... Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's also corrupt. And, like, the board is anonymous. And And they don't like... Yeah. Don't like people uh, revealing their identities. and... And from what... Uh, no, I'm not going to say because I don't remember it from the film, so yeah. I'm not going to say anything. There are religious people on the well, yeah, on the board, and and they're all, all of them are in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. There's no diversity in age. I don't think they told us about their um, if there's any like diversity. I don't think there was much diversity of race or. But you never. They don't show you. You don't see them. Yeah. And the board consists of how many people? It, I don't know. It's like a handful. Yeah. It could fit. It could fit in a classroom. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So go check that out. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Sorry, as... this gets me all riled up about the Hayes Code. <laughs> and I could, And there's like so many more. There's a really good New York Times article about what the Hayes Code did to women in film. Yeah. But I couldn't even get into. There's so much. Do you remember what the name of the article was? Oh, what the Hayes Code did to women. I think it's literally called that. What the Hayes Code did to women. In film, yeah. It's literally almost that verbatim or something similar. Yeah. So, so look up that article as well. Um, we're going to find a picture of Betty Boop. I will <laughs> show that to you when we're done with this. Yeah, it was fascinating. Uh, as always, uh, check out our website. Um, it's absintheactivismarts.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Um, check out my book. My books. Sorry. Uh, multiple books <laughs> yes multiple plural. published author um, check out my short stories uh, check out music by Chad Osman check out artwork by Katie um, is there anything else have a great week have a great week uh, I'm, uh, I'm I started working on a new fiction podcast yes. so uh, be on the lookout for announcements about that hopefully I'll have it sometime before the end of the year, um, I'm going to try to get all, uh, all 10 people, um, to get their parts recorded before we start releasing it. And That's then, awesome. um, hopefully that'll be up. Uh, anything else? No. Anything you want to plug? No. Nope. Uh, you can find me at, at Twitter on, um, AWM rights. Um, I'm also on Instagram at AWM rights. Um, if you find me on Facebook, and try to add me, and I don't add you, don't take it personally. I'm just uh, screening out people who don't have like mutual friends or mutual interests or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all. Until uh, next time. Until <laughs> next time. Have a great week.